Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. guys got all naturally quiet. It's awesome. Uh, well, first I want to say happy Father's Day, and that goes out to both physical fathers and spiritual fathers. Um, um, I said this when it was Mother's Day, but I believe that um, all men are called to father in some way. So um, if you are a man in this room, young man, older man, you are fathering someone, right? There's someone under you who you are pouring into. So thank you for embodying the Father's heart. And so we were reminded in Rundown this morning, our meeting before church, that this is a wonderful reminder of the Father we have in our Heavenly Father. Um, and he is just really good. Um, and so if you didn't experience an earthly father who is kind and gentle and self-sacrificing, you have a heavenly father who literally laid down his life for you. And so I just pray that you feel the love of the father this morning. Um, so if you guys will stand, we're going to be doing something. Um, you can stand as I chat with you for a minute. We're going to be doing something a little bit different during this service. Um, we're going to be leading you throughout the service in Alexio Divina. Has anyone ever heard of the practice Alexio Divina? Okay, so Lexio Divina means sacred reading, and so it's a way of reading scripture where you believe that that word is alive and that the Holy Spirit can speak something to you deep and personal through the word. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going to read a passage of scripture several times throughout the service. And so the first time that you hear this passage, you're just going to listen you're just going to listen, and as you listen, I want you to pay attention to a word or phrase that sort of rises to the surface. So don't force it. It could be a silly word or phrase, and you're like, I don't really know why that's the one. Just don't put pressure. Just listen and wait for that word to sort of pop out, okay? And then in the middle of worship, we're going to do a second reading. Chelsea's going to do a second reading. And so the instruction there is to allow the word or phrase to stand out and then meditate on it. So for the rest of worship, 
Just keep that word or phrase in your mind. Savor it. Allow the invitation of the Spirit to pull you into what he might want you to know. Okay? And then the third reading will happen before the, the message. And that you'll actually enter into a little bit of a dialogue with the Lord about that. Um, and so the goal is that we together as a community can read one passage and that the Holy Spirit will speak to us individually. And a lot of times I've done this. It's amazing. A lot of people will have the same word. It's bizarre. But it will be interesting to see as a body what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us this morning. So I'm going to ask Linda to come up and read this passage. And then will you pray, Linda, and then we'll go right into worship. Okay, it's Mark 7, 6 through 7. He replied... Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He wrote, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty, since they teach instructions that are human words. And Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for your word. And as we worship you, we worship you in spirit and in truth. And we thank you for freedom, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And let our hearts be surrendered in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mark 7, 6 through 7, he replied, Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He wrote, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty. Since they, they, since they teach instructions that are human words. Father, we just say thank you so much for everything that you've gifted us, for everything that you've given us, not just for what you've done, but for who you are, the essence of your being, God, not just for the gifts and things you give us, but just because you are you, we say thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm so excited to be up here. Um, I just got off of a retreat from our 12 group. And it was so great. So thank you for the women that joined us. And they were praying over me this morning, just um, a sense of joy. And I really do feel that. I think it's part of being, coming out of community. And we really just practiced transparency and vulnerability together. And there's something really freeing about that and joyful. So go there with us, right? Go into, just move into transparency with us. Um, so if you missed the very beginning of service, I sort of previewed this spiritual practice that we were going to do throughout um, today's service, and it's called Lexio Divina. So I have to be a bit repetitive for those of you that were here in the beginning. Um, but this is a spiritual practice. Um, it's a sacred reading, and it's taking a small chunk of scripture and reading through it several times and really allowing the Lord to speak something very individual to you 
based on a word or phrase that emerges from that passage. And so you have been hearing Mark 7, 6 through 7. And so for the first reading, if you didn't get to do this and then you heard it in the middle of worship and you're like, we're talking about hypocrites. It's great. This is awesome. It's going to be a good day. Um, if you were wondering why that was happening, um, it's the smaller context of our larger text this morning, but we had already read it once at the beginning of service. So when you read it the first time, you just settle in and you listen for a word or phrase that emerges from the passage. The second time you read it, you allow the word or phrase to stand out and then you meditate on that word. So if you were to do this at home, you would read it the first time, you would sit. Well, first you would silence yourself. If you guys know me, I always say, settle in, take a deep breath, right? You settle in, you silence yourself, and you read the passage. Some word or phrase jumps out, and you, you quiet yourself. You go back to the passage, you read it again. And then, as you have that word or phrase, you listen for any invitation God might be extending to you through that word or phrase. Now, we're about to do the third reading. So after we read this scripture a third time, we're going to take a minute for you to respond and pray inwardly. I want you to enter into a personal dialogue with God or just get it started. I know we're in a group together and this can feel like maybe I don't hear anything. So if all you get is that word or phrase, just sit with it. There's no right or wrong way to do this. This is not like you have to get this right. It's not a test. But the a thing that's really neat to pay attention to is when you get this word or phrase to think about what feelings you might feel. Um, what does the spirit want you to connect with? It could be encouragement. It might be a sense of conviction like, oh, there's, there's something the spirit's moving me towards. You might not, might not get real meat right away. You might have to sit with it. Um, maybe you get a feeling and it's like a pushback feeling like, oh, I don't know that I want to go there. Maybe ask the Father, what, what is it you want me to know? So become aware of what you're feeling and what God wants to invite you into. So I'm going to ask Mallory to come up and read this la the scripture this last time. He replied, Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He wrote, the people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human words. So Holy Spirit, what do you want us to know this morning? This is your word. It is alive. They're not just words that were written thousands of years ago. There's something new and fresh and personal and corporate for us today. Pay attention to a word or a phrase that jumps out to you. Holy Spirit, what are you calling us into individually and corporately? How can this word be alive in our lives today? can it change us? How can it burrow deep into our souls? We want open hearts. Amen. So during ministry time, 
if you don't feel a specific response based on just the message, um, maybe go back to that word or phrase and just t contemplate and just sit with that word and allow some time for that, that word to burrow deep. What you might find is that later today you'll hear something that connects with that or tomorrow or the next day or the next day. And this is how the word becomes our living bread, right? It becomes something we take with us all week. And it's really amazing how we can take just a small bit of scripture and it can we can feast on it, literally feast on it. Um, so I wanted to do this practice for a couple reasons. One is because um, one of my roles at the church is spiritual formation, and people like don't know what that is. Um, so <laughs> I thought, whoa, let me do with them what we do a lot with our staff and on retreats. We do a lot of these sort of practices because what it does is it creates space for our hearts to be formed by God. That's spiritual formation. We are being formed individually and corporately into the people of God. That doesn't just happen on its own. It really doesn't. We have to be intentional as a people of God and as individuals. Um, okay, so this is a good segue into our passage. So we're continuing in Mark, and I should do a nice recap of all six chapters prior to this one, and I can't do that right now. Like in this moment, I just thought, oh, I probably should have recapped. So maybe listen to the podcasts because I'm just going to move on. Is that okay? <laughs> um, okay. So thank you for grace. Yes. All right. Um, so we are in Mark 7, and we're going to read 1 through 23. And then I'm not going to speak forever. Um, we're going to let the word hopefully speak. Um, but this is a long passage. We're doing it, guys. We're doing it. All right. The Pharisees and some legal experts from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. They saw some of his disciples eating food with unclean hands. They were eating first without ritually purifying their hands through washing. The Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat without first washing their hands carefully. This is a way of observing the rules handed down by the elders. Upon returning from the marketplace, they don't eat without first immersing themselves. They observe many other rules that have been handed down, such as the washing of cups, jugs, pans, and sleeping mats. So the Pharisees and legal experts asked Jesus, why are your disciples not living according to the rules handed down by the elders, but instead eating food with ritually unclean hands? Here's our verse. He replied, Isaiah really knew what he was talking about, when he prophesied about you hypocrites, he wrote, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty, since they teach instructions that are human words. You ignore God's commandment while holding on to rules created by humans and handed down to you. Jesus continued, Clearly, you are experts at rejecting God's commandment in order to establish these rules. Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and the person who speaks against father or mother will certainly put, be put to death. Ouch. Like, if you're reading this at home, you're like, ooh, I don't know what I think about that. But anyway, moving on. But you say, if you tell your father or mother, everything I'm expected to contribute to you is korban, that is, a gift I'm giving to God, then you are no longer required to care for your father or mother. In this way, you do away with God's word in favor of the rules handed down to you, which you 
pass on to others. And you do a lot of other things just like that. Then Jesus called the crowd and said, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing outside a person can enter and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, the things that come out of a person contaminate the person. After leaving the crowd, he entered a house where his disciples asked him about this riddle. He said to them, don't you understand it either? Don't you know that nothing from the outside that enters a person has the power to contaminate? That's because it doesn't enter into the heart, but it goes into the stomach and it goes out into the sewer. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? I'm sure people were like, we're talking about poop. That's awesome. <laughs> By saying this, Jesus declared that no food could contaminate a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of a person that contaminates someone in God's sight, he said. It's from the inside, from the human heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual sins, thefts, murders, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, unrestrained immorality, envy, insults, arrogance, and foolishness. All these evil things come from the inside and contaminate a person in God's sight. So God, just, I want, I just trust you. You and I know we've been practicing lots of trust lately. And I trust that this passage, through the power of the Spirit, will be alive and active and like a tool that will open up our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're just going to unpack this passage um, because you really can't get it without knowing the context. Um, so we're going to sort of look at it in chunks, and then we're going to apply it to our lives. So verses 7 through 5 is this interaction with the religious leaders, with Jesus, about this idea of hand-washing. So you have to understand a couple of things. First, when we think about the law, the law was considered the Ten Commandments plus the Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible. Okay, This was written down. But now this was supposed to be sort of um, a moral compass for the Israelites. This was their way to decide when they were straying from the covenant or the love of God and fellow man. Um, what happened was the elders or the religious leaders didn't feel like this was good enough. They, like, they really wanted to hammer it down. Um, so they decided that they would turn this law or the Torah into thousands and thousands of little rules which became the oral law. So what is referred to in this passage is actually the oral law which was written down about 200 AD and is called the Mishnah. Okay, There is an entire section out of the Mishnah that refers to the washing of hands and other things because they deeply believed that if you didn't wash your hands or if certain things was unclean, you would have extremely large physical and spiritual consequences. You can have to have poverty. Demons could come into you. Like they were really serious about this to the point that when they would wash their hands, they would get a certain amount of water. They would pour it over one hand and pour it over both. To that, it ran down to the wrists. They would make a fist. 
you would scrub here, all over, another fist, scrub here, 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 and now everything, the water was dirty, so now you needed fresh water and you would pour it from your wrists down. So now your hands were ritually clean. They were supposed to do this in, and other, lots of other washing in order to sit down at a meal. Well, the problem was Jesus didn't really care about their rules. And it was precisely because he didn't care about their rules that they decided he was a bad man and they were going get, to get, they were going to do away with him. Okay? Um, in this passage, so I read in the CEB and you hear um, the word is contaminate. That Greek word is koinos. And it basically means taking something sacred and making it profane. So something that should be holy is no longer holy. So to them, okay, well, you're no longer holy because your hands are no longer holy. Like, you, everything is contaminated. All right? So this, this was serious. It was so serious that there was a story when the uh, Romans captured a rabbi that they gave him drinking water, and he used all that drinking water for his hand washing and almost thirsted to death. So that's how serious these religious leaders were about this rule. Okay? It's important to know the context of this because this is what Jesus was up against. Okay, when, when the, the elders walked in the room, that's the background that was walking into. So it wasn't just like, oh, this is, this is like a little tip. Like these are thousands of years of tradition that Jesus was ripping down. Okay, all right, next section. We've got verses 6 through 12. Jesus calls them hypocrites in classic Jesus style. That word there is hypocrites, and that means someone who is an actor, um, that idea, like I'm an actor on a stage, but I literally do that all the time. Like I'm always acting. That's what he called them. Um, and he wasn't saying that Isaiah was prophesying about them. He was saying it applied to Isaiah then, and it applies now, and I'm guessing it might always apply. So we have to keep looking at Isaiah's words and checking it with ourselves. All right, um, the other idea that Jesus exposes in this passage is that it's not what goes into you, right, that defiles you or contaminates that word koinos again. Um, now, this was another big Jewish rule because they could not eat unclean animals. So, for example, um, Jews still today do not eat pork because that's an unclean animal. Um, and this was carried so far that, uh, again, with the Romans, there was a emperor Antiochus Epiphanes who tried to root out all of Jewish religion and gave the Jews pork because he was trying to just, I don't want Judaism around anymore. And thousands of Jews died. This is recorded in 1 Maccabees because they wouldn't eat the pork. That, that's how serious they were. So now fast forward, here's Jesus, and he's literally saying, your ancestors died in vain. So with one stroke, he's wiping out all these previously deep-held traditions and dismantling it. Like, this is a big deal. The commentary I read said that this was the most revolutionary passage in the New Testament. Because here is where we see this divergence. Okay? Law and Christ. It's a major shift. All right? And then um, this last passage, um, what I think is really interesting is that um, we've seen this several times in Mark, Mark chapter 9, that Jesus takes his disciples into a house and explains that further. And because I'm a big fan of life groups, I'm going to make a little plug here. But a lot of times, guys, the deep revelation happens when you're sitting around in community at a house and, and breaking physical bread 
and Jesus bread. That's a lot of times when the revelation happens. So get in a life group, right? Um, okay, so I have to drink water. Excuse me. It gets so dry, guys. Your throat gets so dry up here. Like, so dry. Whew, okay. All right, applications because I'm looking at the time and I want us to get to marinate in this. All right, so we're going to zoom out, all right? So the big picture, we're looking at Christianity as a whole. Then we're going to zoom in. No rule should ever paralyze the claims of love. Nothing that prevents us from loving or helping a brother or sister can ever be a rule approved by God, okay? Um, this is not the first time. It wasn't like Jesus came and he's like, just want you to know God doesn't really care about the law. No. He all of a sudden cares about the heart. No, God had really been saying this from the very beginning, that it was the heart that he cared about. So we're going to look at this passage in Deuteronomy. So this is actually in the Torah. Um, and this is 10, 12 through 22. And I love this passage for so many reasons. It's so good. All right. And this is Moses sort of giving the second law. So he's repeating the law and the heart of God to the people. All right. Now, in light of all that, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? Only this, to revere the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, by loving him, by serving the Lord your God with all your heart and being, and by keeping the Lord's commandments and his regulations that I'm commanding you right now. It's for your own good. Clearly, the Lord owns the sky, the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. But the Lord adored your ancestors, loving them and choosing the descendants that followed them, you, from all other people. That's how things will stand now. So circumcise your hearts and stop being so stubborn. Because the Lord your God is the God of all gods and Lord of all lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who doesn't play favorites and doesn't enact bribes. He enacts justice for orphans and widows, and he loves immigrants. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse me. Something I throw. <laughs> Giving them food and clothing I'm just reading from Deuteronomy guys that means you must also love immigrants because you were immigrants in Egypt revere the Lord your God serve him cling to him swear by his name alone he is your praise and he is your God the one who performed these great and awesome acts that you witnessed with your very own eyes. Your ancestors went down to Egypt with a total of 70 people, but now look, the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the nighttime sky. What a beautiful passage. Who knew that was in Deuteronomy, right? Deuteronomy is actually great. It's a great book. Um, okay, so this is not the first time God is concerned about the heart. We not only see it there, we see in this passage of 1 Samuel, remember when they're choosing the second king, and um, Samuel goes to anoint one of the sons, and God says, don't look on the outward, right? I look at the heart. So there's, an, I, last time I preached, I preached on the heart, and cardia, the word for heart, is like 800 times in the Bible. 
it's clear that God is most concerned with our hearts, right? So we read this passage and we're like always ready to point fingers at the religious leaders. Like, oh my goodness, how many rules on washing of hands? Like, that is just crazy. And I want, before we get on our high horses, to remember that every generation has struggled with legalism. Every generation. And so I want us to really think, like, what is the legalism today? What rules and regulations are we hung up on that might prevent me from loving someone else? They're there, guys. Okay? All right, now we're going to zoom in a little bit, talking about contaminating a person. Um, so when I first read this, and you guys, this is sort of my, my deal with scripture. Um, sometimes I read it, and I, like, don't like what I'm reading. Does anyone else think that? Are you all way too holy to think that? So I read that and I'm like, man, why do you got to talk about like contaminating a person and they're evil in God's sight? Like God loves everyone. Why can't we just always talk about love and how God loves people? I don't want contamination thrown in there. That upsets my theology a little bit. So I had to really think through this, this idea. And so... When we talk about that word koinos, um, you know, we said it's taking something sacred and making it common, right? Um, it's almost this idea of stripping its sacredness or polluting. Uh, that's sort of the imagery I got. So as I was thinking about it, I thought back on like Genesis 1, right? When um, Genesis, 1 sort of paints, Genesis 1 paints the picture of perfect union between God and human beings. And to me, that's that's... The, that's the purest representation of our relationship with God before pollution, okay? So there are things that can contaminate or pollute that relationship, right? Okay, and it's usually things that we see but that have come from another place. So Jesus, it seems like Jesus is focusing on the behavior, but if you look at that list of behaviors, it's really all connected to heart issues, so it's not a contradiction when they say it's the heart that matters, but these evil behaviors contaminate you. Well, I would like to say that this list, um, I'm not going to go read it again, but if that's happening, there's a contamination happening, right? It's contaminating your relationships. It's contaminating your personal life. It's contaminating probably where you live, how you eat. Everything is probably affected. So we all would agree that behavior has consequences, right? Do we believe that in some way? Okay. So is the issue the behavior? No, the behavior is always an indication of what's happening in the heart. All right, Bill, you have my handy dandy. You guys are probably going to see this every time I preach. I just got to be honest. Isn't it so great? I'm not even making it better. <laughs> like this was my very first sketch, and I just love it because I love the girl with the curly hair and the heart. Because a 38-year-old drew that. <laughs> and if you were to, like, look at my drawings at five, it would look the same way. I never matured in the area of art. And I think that's so great. So I thought maybe I should have Josh draw it for me because he's a really good artist. And I was like, nah. <laughs> I love my little picture. All right. So everything in the middle is what you see, right? What our heart is always moving us, telos means it's always moving us towards the good life. If you know me, I probably talk about the good life like every day. 
Right, so we're always moving towards the good life. So our behavior shows where our heart is. Your deepest desire is the one manifested by your daily habits. If you want to know what you love, you look at what you do, you look at what you spend time on, you look at your habits, that's how you know what you love. In turn, that actually forms our love. So this is really circular. Circular and cyclical, so thank you guys for both of those words. Okay, they, everything's affecting everything. So if you want to look at your behavior, what you do day in and day out, it will show you what you love. What you do day in and day out will form your heart. It's so important that we are paying attention to our practices if we want our heart to be formed by God. It's so important that we pay attention to our practices if Jesus says what defiles or pollutes our very life and relationships comes from our heart. So this is hugely important. Now, I'm going to read this quote because it's from Henry Nouwen. And anytime you can throw Henry Nouwen in your sermon, it's like points. So, no, I really does. I read this in a separate book. I wasn't even reading for this sermon. And I just have to read it. And um, the S-E. So don't get freaked out by that, okay? Um, and I'm reading this because three of the sins are sexual sins, okay? And I'm not going to go into a detail for kids that may be in there. All right. It's obvious that our brokenness is often most painfully experienced with respect to our sexuality. Our sexuality is central to the way we think and feel about ourselves. It reveals our yearning for communion. We desire to be touched, embraced, and safely held. That's the deepest longing of the heart, and they are very concrete signs in our search for oneness. It is precisely around this yearning for communion that we experience so much anguish. So I think that that was, came up on that list so much because that reveals so much about the longing of our heart. So how you're forming your heart, how your heart is being formed by God, how the Spirit is ministering to those longings, will deeply affect your life. Deeply. Okay? All right. So, we are in control of what's in the middle. Like, that is on us. What we do with our time, our money, and our resources is in our hands. And we have to create the space to sit and hear and listen to the Father. We, I have to have enough quiet in my day that I can hear him say, you are the beloved, you are the beloved. If I don't have that in my day and I'm waking up and I am racing all day to job and family, they're not going to tell me I am the beloved. My job and my boss is not going to tell me that. Your family might not even tell you that. You have to sit with the Father and hear that you are the beloved. And when you are changed from the inside, and when your identity is being formed into the beloved of God, it will immediately thrust you towards the good life of the kingdom. We cannot say we want to be heralds of the kingdom and live for the kingdom and never take control of what's in the middle. It doesn't work that way. 
We can't say, I'm a Christian, and do a couple of these little ritual things, like go to church, maybe, and believe me, I love this. This is amazing, and I'm incredibly filled up every week, but this can't be all you do. This has to overflow into lots of practices throughout the week where you are creating space for your heart to be formed by God. It needs to overflow into com more communal practices. So again, it's not just you and God like the other six days. No, it is, when I speak of spiritual formation, I never think of it in the context of by myself. It's always understood that there are people around me, always. So it's never like you go be formed by God six days and then you come back, no. Part of my rule of life is to connect with someone almost daily about something deeper than just my day-to-day -day stuff. That's a part of my rule of life, and I have to do it. And thankful for the sisters in this room who do that with me. Because I, there's no way I could go towards the good life. There's just no way. So I want our church to pull up our big kid pants and, like, let's get to work. Okay? And I really believe that work in scripture, it's never like work, go to your job, and be drained and hate your life. It's like, let's dig in and do the things we were really created to do. We were created to do this. We were created to be in communion with God. We were created to be in communion with other, others. That is the good life, right? Okay, we are ending. All right, so a um, couple of options for interacting with this. One is you are hearing that word resounding in your head and you just wanna sit with it. And so you need to take this time and just do some contemplation. Contemplation means I come to God um, not with my own words. I just come to be with him. And so a lot of times our sacred word can anchor us in the times of silence. We should all have silence with God every day. I just wanna just throw that out there. Um, I love worship music's great, but we all need to be silent with God at some point in our day, okay? Um, we'll have music now, though, so things don't get incredibly awkward. Um, all right, another, um, and if worship people and prayer people could um, take your places, um, maybe you've been hurt by legalism. I can tell you, with just with our women, we had stories upon stories of being hurt. Um, maybe you just need some of those wounds, someone to partner with you and, and to pray over wounds. Maybe you are having a hard time entering into community because you've been really hurt. Um, let's, let's bear that burden with you. Um, maybe you struggle with legalism. Maybe you find yourself defaulting to the rules and regulations. Um, and you really want to be committed to this process of letting your heart be formed by God. So just find a way to interact, um, whether it be stay on your seat with prayer teams, um, and then we'll close out. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.